1: See, without Christ, we don't have a message. What's our message?
2: It's like we have a message in Christ. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now let's jump into part two of our study in Ephesians chapter three.
1: We're picking up again in the study. This is part two. See, this is what is so wonderful. It's the, the message that we have for everyone in Los Angeles. No matter how deep in sin they are, no matter what they're strung out with, no matter what lies they bought into, it, like whatever, it's like we have a message of hope for every single person. But what does that mean exactly? I like how Paul said it in Galatians 3.28, There is neither a Jew or a Gentile in God's eyes. There is neither a slave or a free man in God's eyes. There's neither a male nor a female in God's eyes. You're all one in Christ Jesus. Everybody. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you've been some Buddhist, you know, worshiping false idols and everything. You can come to Christ. You can be forgiven. You can be a Muslim that's, you know, laid down your little blanket and prayed five times a day to Mecca. You know, you can be a prostitute. You can be a drug addict. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from. You can come to Christ. And just like that, be forgiven. Yeah, amen. This is what God's purpose and plan is. Then, And who does he call to share this message? You and me. And if we don't share it, guess what? It doesn't get shared. So every single person you know, every neighbor you have, if you're not sharing with them, then they don't get to hear it. And you're thinking like, well, God can send somebody else. Well, yeah, he can. But he'd rather use you. You're right there. <laughs> Why bring in the the troops from some other neighborhood when You're right there. You're God's representative. Paul shocked the world when he said this in Romans 1 16. He says, For I am confident. I know that I know. He says, I'm I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Wow. Yes, the Gentiles can now. Be as the Jews are, meaning they can be chosen of God. They can be as the apple of his eye through faith. We can be grafted into the vine, just like the Jews. I like the terminology that Paul used in Romans 11 25. He says, For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, talking about the mystery again you know, least you be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. And when's the fullness of the Gentiles? It's when the rapture happens. And when that happens, I believe that there's going to be a massive attack on Israel. And that's when Gog and Magog of 30, uh, Ezekiel thirty-seven, thirty-eight, and thirty-nine comes down for the northern parts. The uh, God of Meshach and Tubal, uh, the country far north of the Black and Caspian Sea, is going to come down on Israel like a cloud to cover the land. That means all their allies will come with them: uh, Lebanon, you know, Iraq, you know, Iran, you know, Syria. They will all come against Israel to wipe the Jews off the planet for, you know, just get rid of them. That's what they all want. They all hate each other, but they hate Israel more. And what what will cause that to happen? I believe that since Iran is rapidly pursuing nuclear weapons, they want to use that on Israel. And I think that Israel will do exactly what they did to Iraq back in the 80s when they went and attacked their nuclear aspirations and blew them up. And I believe that that's what's going to happen. I think it's a possibility. Let's just put it that way. That Israel is going to take out the nuclear aspirations of Iran. And when they do that, it's going to cause major problems. And you put the rapture of the church happening on top of that altogether. It's going to be massive upheaval here in the world setting, which will open the door for the Antichrist to come in and bring a pseudo peace. But that's a whole nother Bible study. But getting back to here, yes, the Jews hid the message and they kept it for themselves. But yet God says there's gonna be a blindness upon them until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. When we are airlifted out of here, Israel gets attacked. It says that God destroys all those armies that comes against Israel. He just wipes them out which opens the Jews' eyes like God is for us. And they'll recognize that Jesus was the Messiah. And there'll be a massive revival. That's why I believe this happens at the beginning of the tribulation period, which is kicked off by the rapture and this attack that goes upon Israel. Then Israel will go out throughout the world and preach the gospel, which will lead to probably the biggest revival of all time. Yes, God is going to do all this. But the Jews... They hid this message and kept it for themselves. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 49.6. God says, it is, is it a small thing that you should be my servant? Talking about the Messiah here. To raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And I believe that's what's going to happen right at the beginning of the tribulation period, right after the rapture of the church, where Israel, their eyes will be opened once again. Hosea 2.23 says, I will sow her for myself in the land. I will also have compassion on her who have not obtained uh, uh, compassion. And I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. So there will be a massive revival of all the Gentile nations around the world. Isn't that what God has always done? Hasn't he always reached out to people? I mean, when you think about Jonah, remember God called Jonah to go to the Ninevites. You know, it's like, he didn't want to go there. They were descendants of the Assyrians. You know, they, they, they tortured God's people. So the Jews hated the Ninevites. That's why Jonah boarded a ship going to Tarshish, which was in the opposite direction. God had to shake up that ship like a you know, rubber duck in a blender, knock him off the boat, then have a big fish come and swallow him. And the whole time, three days and three nights while Jonah's in there, all ticked off, you know, uh, finally for him to repent. And the whole time he's in there, those three days the fish is swimming back to where he was supposed to go in the first place so that when Jonah after three days finally repents in a fish it says the fish barfed him up on the beach and there he was where he was supposed to be in the first place but he finally goes and preaches to the Ninevites who again he hated he hated those people he didn't want to see any kind of revival happen but there was 120,000 people that repented So, God saved all those just total heathen Gentiles. And he did it in the Old Testament. Why? Because, again, God loves everybody. And Paul said in verse 7 that he was made a minister now to the Gentiles. So, the very people that he hated, grew up hating, now he's a minister to the Gentiles by the grace of God. No man can make us a minister, which simply means a servant. Only God can. God can make you and me something more than what we are. God can make us something way more than what we are. God can do that. But the question is, not that God couldn't make us something. The question is, are we willing to allow God to make us something? Are we willing to allow God to make us a servant? Are we willing to allow God to speak through us to some heathen living here in Los Angeles that's a jerk? Are we going to be nice to them? Are we going to speak the truth to them? Are we willing to become a prisoner of Christ like what Paul was, a captive in bonds? Unfortunately, many Christians are not. They're not open to that. Like we said earlier, many see the need Many even hear the call of God in their life to go speak to certain people. But when it comes to stepping up to the plate and opening her mouth and starting to talk to them about Christ, they, like Jonah, will run the other way. So let me ask you here, since we're talking about it here, I wonder who you mostly resemble. The prisoner of Christ where, Lord, I'm your prisoner. I, I will go and do whatever you want me to do. Or you like Jonah... Because I was like, hey, why don't you go talk to that person over there at Ralph's? Yeah, I'm going to go shop over here at Albertsons. Oh, they close Albertsons. I don't know, whatever. You get the point though, Vons. Uh, and now Paul, this powerful theologian slash scholar who has become a prisoner of the Lord by his own free will, uh, this man whose passion in life was to please God has become who God now has originally called him to be from the foundation of the world when he was being formed in his mother's womb. I mean, think about that. God was forming you in your mother's womb and he knew that one day you would come to know him as a savior. That one day you would be born again. That one day you're you're gonna be this person living in LA, this sin city here. We're held over in Chicago of all places. You know, Chicago, (laughs) death city number one in America. But anyway, so we're sitting there and this woman's got a SWAT shirt on with a cross coming off the W and it's S-W-A-T. And like, you know, when I was a high school pastor, you know, all our ministry was called SWAT ministry of students with a testimony you know, now I'm just a, a senior with a testimony, but whatever. But you know, but uh, I, I go, hey, SWAT. And she says, yes, it's sisters with a testimony, you know. And I says, so you must be a Christian. She goes, yes, I am. My husband's a pastor in Las Vegas. And I said, oh, so you're in Sin City number one. She goes, yes, we are. And I'm like, well, we're in Sin City number two, LA, <laughs> you know. And uh, But we just started talking, just instant fellowship, instant fellowship, because You know, we both knew the same Christ. And it's like they were heeding the call that God had heeded for them to go to Las Vegas to start a church. But this brings up our point, called to preach. Paul was called to preach. We're called to preach. What does it mean to preach? To share the message. That's it. But let's read about it here. Ephesians chapter three, picking up in verse eight, says this, to me, the apostle Paul said, the very least of all saints, This grace was given. He allowed me to do this, to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. He says, God knew about this mystery a long time ago. That's why you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. He's telling Abraham, you're going to be the bearer of truth to all the nations of the world. So this mystery, like they didn't fully get it, but yes, it's for everybody, everybody. But notice how Paul called himself the least of all saints. The King James Bible says they're less than the least. This reminds me of Gideon. You know, remember when the Lord called Gideon, young Gideon, he's like, oh, you can't use me. Don't you know who I am? I came from the tribe of Manasseh. That's like the the weakest, most feeble tribe of the 12 tribes of Israel. Oh, and by the way, did I tell you my dad? Oh, he's the least of all the families in the least of the tribes of Israel. Oh, and by the way, you know, I'm the least in my family. So, you know, here's... Gideon saying, I'm the least of the least of the least. And you know, what are you calling on me to serve you? It's like, go get somebody else. Someone else got a bigger vocabulary than me. Someone that's got more boldness than me. Someone who didn't come from the least of the least of the least. I'm insignificant. You can't use me. God's like, you're just the man I was looking for. Because when you're the least, you can't take any glory for yourself. When you're out there sharing Christ and all of a sudden God uses you and something outrageous happens, it's like, wow. So I'm on the airplane, right? And so it says, you know, when the light, you know, they have the bathrooms in the back and they got the bathrooms in the front. And so they tell you, you know, like, okay, don't come to the front. If you see this light on, don't come because someone's in the bathroom. So go to the back because they don't want people hovering by the cockpit door there. So the light was off. I'm like, okay, I'm going in. I'm going in. So I'm like, I start charging up the aisle, and this lady's like, boom, right in front of me, Foom. And she goes, and I'm like, oh, there you go, you know. And so I'm standing there, and she goes in. I'm like, hey, well, the light was off, but now it's on, you know. So I start talking. I go, yeah, so it's kind of a crazy thing because we had to leave Chicago with a half a tank of fuel because there were so many people on the plane, and Chicago's got the shortest runway of all the airports. So we had to stop in Kansas City to fuel up again. So it's going to add another hour and 20 minutes to the flight. I'm like, there you go. I go, how often does this happen? And they go, not very often. (laughs) I'm like, but it happened today. And I, but it opened up the door. I said, you know, this reminds me of another crazy thing when I was on a Southwest flight. And I go, what's that? I go, I was the only guy on the airplane. What? I go, yeah, I was the only guy on the airplane. And it's like, but you know, God really used it. I'm a pastor of a church, and I just start sharing with them. So I got the two flight attendants there, and I'm like, it's like, they couldn't go anywhere. I'm waiting for the bathroom. They're standing there. I'm in the hallway. I mean, it's like, you know, it's just there. And I start sharing with them. I go, but it was really cool because I had such a bad attitude going to the airport. I was like, Lord, don't set me next to anyone who wants to talk because I'm tired. I go, total bad attitude for a pastor, right? Yes, that's pretty bad. They were agreeing with me. (laughs) I said, but I get on the plane. I'm the only one there. And it's like the suitors asked me to come up. And I came up because she goes, hey, you, back in the 12th row, come here. Move up here closer because we're not going to bring you something to drink all the way back there. That's what they do when you're the only guy on the plane. And then the pilot, I was telling them, like, yeah, yeah, the pilot kept coming on the intercom. Ladies and gentlemen, I mean, Steve, we're at 30,000 feet because you don't weigh anything. But uh, and uh, they start laughing. And then I start sharing the gospel. I thought, yeah, but then I started sharing the gospel with the stewardess and she gave her life to Christ. And it was totally awesome. So what I thought was misery, God was using it. Two flight attendants are just looking at me and like, but I'm sharing with them. It, it opened up the door. So that having to stop in Kansas City to top off the tank, it was like it opened the door of conversation. Yes, God can use us at any place at any time. See, Paul understood this. And he understood that without Christ, he's nothing. See, without Christ, we don't have a message. What's our message? It's like we have a message in Christ. And that's what Paul understood. He understood that. So this is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 11. He says, I have become foolish. You yourself compelled me. Actually, I should have been commended by you for in no respect, I was inferior to most of the eminent apostles, even though I'm just a nobody. So Paul had this feeling of himself where he used to say, I've got this accolade. I'm this, I'm a Pharisee. Now he's just like, I'm a nobody. I'm the least of the least. But guess what God's using me? Understand, Paul delivered the goods Paul authored one half of the New Testament. He was a theologian. He was a scholar. Yet that's not the way he came across to people. Paul came across the polar opposite of that. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. He says, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come to you with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God. I think he made that statement because I think Paul, he used to make sure that he was the smartest man in the room. Well, he gave that up now because I'm just here serving cross. I'm just going to give the message. So I don't have to come across like a brainiac anymore. I'm just going to be a regular person. For he goes on to say, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. In my message, and my preaching, were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. And it's just amazing where if you just open to be used, like I'm at Longhorn Steakhouse for a burger for lunch. Start talking to the manager. And I'm talking to the manager. So you're a pastor? Yes. You know, it's like, well, you know, I used to walk with the Lord. How come you don't walk with the Lord anymore? Well, you know, I I want to. I just, you know, I... I just, I haven't been. I go, well, you need to come home to the Lord. And I share with them Acts 3.19, repent and return to the Lord so your sin can be forgiven. The times of refreshing may come. Don't you want to refresh me? Look, look into the person's eye. Don't you want to be refreshing the Lord? I mean, I mean, do, do you want to continue to walk in darkness? Do you want to continue to be distanced from God? I mean, I'm just asking. He's like, no, I don't. Well, then don't do it anymore. Come home. Come home. He goes. You're right. I need to come home. Yeah. And so right there, boom. Here's about our uh, app on the phone. You can download our app. Do you download apps? I ask him. Do you download apps? Yes. Yeah. So you've downloaded apps before. Yes. Okay. Here's the card. Download this app. Okay. I will. And see. It's like you know. You're you're that voice. You're that voice. We're all that voice. Yes, there are times that some get caught into, you know, looking for those with titles and positions, yet what people really need is what? They just need someone being real with them, talking with them. Yes, $7 a gallon for gas. It's idiocy. But man, it's like all these things can pull you down and bring you into a place of depression. But I know where you can find hope. I know where you can find peace inside you know, and the peace that God gives us, it's a quietness of rest. Yes. God called the apostle Paul to be a preacher of the gospel. He's called us to be a preacher of the gospel. Think about it. How much of an impact did the apostle Paul have on the world when he was known as Saul of Tarsus, when he was known as the man in the man as a religious Pharisee? He didn't have any impact on the world. Not much. He impressed people with his big words. But there was no impact on the world. But yet, when Paul humbled himself before God and became just a nobody in Christ, God's plan was so much more than he ever dreamed of in his wildest dreams, which brings up our final point, called for God's purpose. Let's read verse 11 here of Ephesians chapter three. Says, this was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Wow. Yes, we're all part of God's eternal purpose. You're part of it. It's not just me. It's like, oh, well, he's the pastor here. here, You go do the pastor's work. That's what you do. No, no, no. We all do the work. I'm called here to encourage you to go do the work, but I'm not asking you to do something that I don't do. I take advantage of it every time I go anywhere. I told my wife when we were praying before we went on this trip back east, more and more doors were opening. I was supposed to just preach at Calvary Chapel, Marlton, but then a door opened up to do a men's thing on Saturday. They asked me, hey, we heard you're back here. Do you want to do this? I'm like, yes. God allows us to do things and to be in places. You know, it's like, think about how God's infinite wisdom foresaw all the tragic events that lay ahead for us here in humanity. God knew what we were gonna be going into here in the 21st century. He knew what was gonna happen with a worldwide pandemic. He knew what was gonna happen as our leaders are leading us down a a road here of sin and death. This is insanity what's happening around us right now. But yet, it's like God knew that we were gonna be alive in this time. And he knew that there would be this sorrow. He knew the suffering that would be around us. He knew what was going to happen with Russia attacking Ukraine. All of these things. But he also allowed us to be alive today, to be a light that shines in all the darkness that's around us. Think there's any darkness around us? Good grief. We're surrounded by darkness. I don't know. Is it just because I was born in the 50s? I'm old, but I'm still in good shape. Just want to point that out. But it's like, oh my goodness. It's like, this is crazy. It's like so much darkness around us, but yet we can be lights in the midst of it. And what's God's answer to the problem? Here on earth, he came and died on the cross at Golgotha, the place of the skull. Yes, just a little small corner of this galaxy. You know, God came down and he died for humanity so that we could live. And because of that, he gave us, according to verse 12, a bold and confident access to him that we can do all things with that access. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't matter how much you haven't shared Christ up to this point. Change today. God, give me that bold access to you and give me that confidence that I can go and speak to people. Listen, God didn't ask you to go talk to people that don't want to hear about it. You just ask if they don't want to hear about it, you walk away, go talk to someone else. It's not like there's not 4 million people here in L.A. It's like if someone doesn't want to hear it, have a nice day. Go to the next person. Okay? But God, number one, wants us to draw near to him. He wants us to have close fellowship with him. Number two, he wants to empower us to serve him. God never asked you to serve you in your own weakness. He says, come to me. I'll help you in this remember the last recorded words of the apostle paul are found in second timothy chapter four it's the last book that he wrote out of half the new testament that he wrote and i just i love what he tells us here he says in second timothy 4 1 he says i solemnly charge you in the presence of god in christ jesus who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom preach the word tell people my word. Tell them what it says. Don't make up your own word. Don't make up things to say. This isn't like opening up a fortune cookie and you don't know what's going to be there next. No, just tell them what my word says. If they don't want to hear, that's fine, but just tell them what it says. Tell them what my word says. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. What's that mean? Be ready when you feel like it. Be ready when you don't feel like it, okay? It's just, just be ready.
2: That's all the time we have for our message. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by an a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to seven seven nine seven seven. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you.